Hello, guys, and welcome to another edition of the Hoop Jack Podcast Series. I am your host, Christopher Armistead, and today we have a returner special guest host. He is the owner, operator, and creator content maker for For the Love of the Game podcast series, Jalen Branch. Jalen, it's good to have you back on the show, man. Yo, 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 man. It's good to be back, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me here again. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, I see big things. And make sure, guys, go to check check out his thing. So I recently, so before we get started, I recently saw it was you're doing something called the Money Challenge for the show. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, okay. So tomorrow I will be having a um, a YouTube video dropping. Yeah, doing the uh, Money Ball Challenge. Let me. I promise. I thought they said the Money Shot Challenge. Okay, it was just something that went viral. I went and looked again. It's called the Money Ball Challenge. So for anybody. Well, most of the people who are hoopers or fans of basketball listening to this Hoop Jack podcast, y'all will probably know what that is. It will be on my YouTube channel tomorrow. If you type in the acronyms for For the Love of the Game, so F-T-L-O-T-G, in on YouTube, it'll be there tomorrow. I hope y'all enjoy it. There we go. All right, man. It's good to hear that. Hope that that goes well. I hope the channel soars, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going down. So, uh... For our This Day in History segment, uh, it's there's not really a whole lot today, but uh, I do want to kind of take a moment of silence uh, for tomorrow because tomorrow is September 11th, and I want to kind of give a moment of silence for those we lost during that time and, you know, the brave police and firefighters of the city of New York and the state of New York who did their best to all they could, but we, you know... It was a tough time for America, and it still is a tough time, so I really wanted to give kind of a moment of silence. Okay, and again, I pray for the... And it, just kind of real quick, I... That was... A, and I was in elementary school when that happened, and I... Being too young to kind of understand the you know, the mentality of what was going on in the country, you know, it was a very surreal moment for us as kids. It's kind of like, and we were still young, we weren't even born around this happened when the the Challenger exploded, the space shuttle exploded. Mm-hmm. I think 9-11 kind of, you know, made us aware of our country being at a vulnerable spot. And I just hope that we've come a long way from that to that point absolutely absolutely so we're gonna get uh, so we're gonna get right into it so recently we've had the nba hall of fame we've had current members go in uh we've had ben wallace paul pierce you know guys who and uh tony kukoc guys who have deserved and worked the worked tooth and nail left it all out on the court for that opportunity to get that call for the Hall of Fame. So my question to you is, who, who's next? Who's the part of the class of 2022? Ah, part of the class of 2022, man. Because I've been looking, and there's some interesting names who are eligible for the class could of I, let, 2022. Let's do that. Could you could so, I hear them? Yeah, so some of the names who are you know, for the first time, who are first-time candidates who qualify. You have Manu Ginobili, you have Jason Terry, you have David West, you have Richard Jefferson, you have Joe Johnson, you have Zach Randolph, you have Al Jefferson, and you have Josh Smith. Now, those are the just the first-time candidates. Mm-hmm. Now, in my opinion, out of that list, the only ones who I think can make it are Ginobili, Terry, and Richard Jefferson, in yeah, my opinion. I got, I got, I are... got Manu and uh, Jason Terry. I don't know about, I mean, I guess Rich, but but I have those two for sure. I, I don't know about Richard Jefferson. The only reason I'm saying Richard Jefferson, Richard Jefferson created probably the best out of anybody, uh, just not counting Vince Carter, you know, who's had some amazing dunks, and not counting, you know, uh, I think it's Jeff Green who's had some amazing. 
created some noise with his dunks. Yeah. Yeah. He he had some noise with those dunks. And then young, you have young other... Richard Jefferson. Um, you know, a lot of people a lot of people know Richard Jefferson the role player, but they don't know Richard Jefferson the star, the the high flyer. So no, you're he was a star. Right. Yeah. And then you have other top candidates who aren't first timers, but they are much deserving. I mean, you have Sean Marion, Chauncey Billups, Horace Grant, uh, Larry Nance, Detlef Shrimp, and Jeff Hornacek, and Elton Brand. Now, of those guys, who do you think deserves it next? Um, okay, so you said so many names. I just Sean Marion. So Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Chauncey Billups um, should be in the Hall of Fame, I think. Out of everyone on that list, yes. I mean, we're talking about uh, Big Shot Bob. You know, he, he went to the championship, beat the three-peating uh, uh, Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Now, don't get me wrong. Detroit had a good team over there on their side as well. They were no slouch, but they were definitely underdogs. And just everything he's doing now, head coaching for the Blazers, I think Chauncey Billups deserves to be in there. Chauncey Billups, to me, is a uh, a Hall of Fame point guard, for sure. And another candidate who just got in, so Bill Russell. Now, Bill Russell, the player, was already in, but Bill Russell, the coach. Okay. I think he's one of the first few to kind of get the double. Do you think it's that's a feat by itself? Because, in my opinion... You see a lot of guys do well as a player, but can they turn it around and become a great coach? And we've tried to see it with Jason Kidd. He's won a championship, but he's not had success as a head coach. Right. He had his time with, you know, Milwaukee, his time with um, Nets. I just don't see it. Now we're about to see Steve Nash enter the coaching helm. Do you think he is a great coach, or is he kind of just – you see a lot of guys coattailing it, him coattailing right. it because he has the talent that he has. Because of his players. Um, what I want to say is let's not ignore the fact that he is walking in possibly the best coaching situation for a first-time coach. Okay? You know, um, mm-hmm. Kyrie, James Harden, Cameron Durant. Okay, cool. I get it. But on the other hand, when Steve Nash was a player, he was a savvy smart player and just being around the game that many years playing with all the guys he's played with. I mean, he's played with Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Shaq, uh, Dirk Nowinski, Kobe Bryant, do I have, you know, just countless guys. So when you're, when you're in, in the league for that long, you accumulate a lot of knowledge about the game. So it's, it's both right. He's, he's in a great situation. But you got to think, he was a point guard for dynasties. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Phoenix, they had their run. I don't know if I want to say dynasty. But, you know, for good teams, he was the head of it, meaning in always being an IQ player. So I think he is a good coach. And I think that also he's he's he has some help by who he's coaching. But he's. I think he will be a great coach with more experience, too. And I feel like that team can really use the, the mindset of Steve Nash. But... Right. In my it's just when you have a team that Kyrie, who's kind of, I don't know how, I mean, I get how he still has a job, but, you know, pulling a Dennis Rodman in the middle of the season to kind of, you know, it's kind of, you know, unjustifiable. Right. I mean, James Harden and then Kevin Durant, that, those three together, it's still trying, someone has to be the alpha. And, you know, Kyrie right now is not the alpha. And he's not going to be the one, I feel, like conducting that team like a like an orchestra, I feel like it's going to be more towards Kevin Durant mm-hmm. taking the, if he can try take the reins and be the leader. But it's still tough when you have three alphas trying to be the main alpha, the big dog. Yeah, I think um, I don't know, man. You know, just the first year, I think that Kevin Durant has to be that guy only because he's used to this big three, right? Not mm-hmm. only did he have it with Golden State, yes, but he started he had it with, with the big three. Exactly. He had it with he OKC, him, Westbrook, yep. and Harden. Exactly. He started I'm not his even career gonna lie. with that. I'm not going to lie. Had they stayed together, that would have been a dynasty. Yes, yes. That would have been a just, dynasty. Uh, too young. And, and, you know, this happens a lot when you're young and you feel unappreciated. 
Um, but OKC know, I, just couldn't keep them. Exactly. Like in 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 just business, one of them had to go, and it was James Harden, right? That's who mm-hmm. you would. At the that's time. who I would. Yeah, at the time, exactly. that's who you would get rid of. Out of those three that's, at that time, yeah. it would have been Harden. It was, and that's just kind of what happened. You know, that's just that's just what happened. So Kevin Durant started at OKC with a big three, went to Golden State with a big three, and now has, in a way, you know, kind of created his own big three. So I think I would, he's got to be the one to hop in front and take control. You know, and just kind of, you know, he's been here State, before. It wasn't a big three. That was a big five. Yeah, they had definitely. five. Definitely. They had five. It, it it was him, Draymond, Steph, Clay, yeah. and whoever they put at the Iguodala. Five. Iguodala. They could have – Durant could have played the five. It wouldn't have made a Literally. difference. Literally, yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who makes the final cut for the 2022 class. Congrats to all the – all the yeah, ones who made great, it to 2021. Great basketball we've seen from them. Great basketball we've seen. Played the game with class. Played the game yeah. the right way. And we couldn't ask for any better. So, we're, we've come to a, a time where uh, Netflix has taken over the entertainment realm. And a lot of people don't like it because it takes away the value of, you know, the big screen names. You know, nobody wants to go out to movies and everything like that. Recently, within the last month, Netflix has put out a series called Untold, where they go and profile different sports, different athletes, and what they've gone through. To name a few, they've gone through five episodes so far. They had the first episode, Malice at the Palace. It was the story of the 2004 brawl between the Pacers and the Pistons. Then they had the second episode. It was called Deal with the Devil. It was about a boxer, Christy Martin. She was, you know, female boxing wasn't popular at that time, but having signed with Don King, that brought her name to newer heights, but had a problem with her husband slash trainer. The third episode was Caitlyn Jenner, you know, formerly Bruce Jenner, and then having gone through all that cycle, you know, him dealing with problems and, you know, the way that that went and you know, transitioning from male to female and living life the way she does now. Then you have crime and penalties. It was a minor. It was about a minor league team called the Danbury Trashers. They were considered the bad boys of hockey at that time because they were owned by a teenage son whose dad, his dad, was you know part of the mafia, mob ties. Mm, okay, and. This recent episode was called Breaking Point. It was about tennis player, tennis star Marty Fish and his mental problems that going on, especially in the 2012 U.S. Open quarterfinals and just having gone through a lot of mental stress in his life. Now, I've watched every single one of these, and I'm not going to lie, every single one of them has been amazingly told, amazing, you know, quality just the story the background does netflix take over this and destroy the 30 for 30 espn franchise ah because because i feel with netflix having all this power and you know over the last decade turning their company you know going from dvds to now online to to streaming right. anywhere in the world and oodles and oodles of money i feel they can with this they can destroy you know espn 30 for 30 documentaries hulu sports documentaries any kind of other documentary netflix is going to set the bar but as far as espn cuz espn has done their 30 for 30 franchise for years and has had great stories but now that you kind of have to pay for espn plus and netflix not charging well i wouldn't say not charging as much but it's not as much as you would say for a bundle for espn plus does netflix take them down um let me start by saying yes number two i just want to express quick frustration man because when I first got wind of the untold, I thought it was all the malice at the palace, right? So I thought like, you know, how you just all of those stories from the other sports, I thought it was all malice in the palace. 
I was slightly upset, right, when I went back to see episode I can, two. I can understand that. Yeah, I yeah, I did. That. Right, when it came out, you know, they were promoting the mouths at the palace, and, and, and then I'm like, there was more episodes. Okay, so, whatever, whatever. So, although I've seen the mouths in the palace, I have not seen the other four. But I want to say, if they were put together anything like the Malice in the Palace production, yes, because that was great detail. You had people there, you know, the closest people around the the environment, around whatever happened at the time. And to me, it's like Netflix is that other avenue, you know, like players are having podcasts, they're doing X, Y, Z, right, to build their true and untold story. And Netflix can kind of be like that other narrative where they can push what they want to say, like how I've seen with Malice in the Palace. Right. And that first, like you said, after that first episode, I was like, how are they going to top that? And I feel that each story has been great and beautifully told. You've had the closest of the closest come together to talk about you know what life was like then and the stories leading up to it i feel espn 30 for 30 was you know they they created the path they created like the standard and then netflix came and kind of you know came through like espn 30 for 30 paved the way and then netflix kind of built everything else around it right yep let me ask you a quick question yeah. Out of just real quick, I don't want you to lose your thought. Real quick, mm-hmm. um, we we have a little uh, sport bias, of course. But which one was the best? I mean, out of the Dallas at the Palace was the standard. Okay. Um, my favorite one was the most because I played tennis throughout all my life and I like I really loved the last one it was called Breaking Point because I can understand that mental you had to be mentally tough in a game of tennis right because you you lose one point you're changing your whole game plan left and right basketball it's like you know you're kind of relying on your coach and having them create yep. the play you are out there or you're on your own. You it's you versus the other person across the net. And there's there could be fifteen thousand people watching you. And right. they look at every tiny detail that you make. Yeah. One error just, can cost you a people point. Out there, so. One error can cost you a point. And then the mental block that you have through that is tough because you're all you are is some people can let go and move on to the next point others it takes another point or two and after that you start losing a game after that you start losing a set after that then the match is over and you're basically out you're done and then you're like how did this happen how did i break down like you you go through a lot of stuff through that and that's why i can't wait to see what else netflix can do with that series because that series has so much potential because it doesn't just it covers a lot of sports it covers a lot of different topics now some people can agree with the topics and not agree with the topics i'm not going to discuss anyone's you know you know who like because if you're because each episode talked about something different malice at the palace you know it referred to the basketball players as thugs and you know the reporting was terrible at that time everyone just wanted ratings and i was angry at that because they don't know what they're talking about the the deal with the devil it was talking about you know the box the boxer uh christy martin and you know she was really hard on you know the lgbt community but you know she eventually came out and you know that's just how it was back then. Caitlyn yeah. Jenner, she had to go through her transition and everything like she had that. To go through a lot. Yeah. Crime and penalties. You're talking about it's it's essentially making a deal with the mob. Like you cross the line with the mob, they're coming after you. It was right. family over everything. That's what that's a mob mentality. That was the hockey team, right? That's yeah. The hockey team. Okay. And then breaking. I'm gonna point, go back and watch them. Yeah. And then breaking point 
we've seen that recently with Osaka and Simone Biles with you know mental toughness that's that's tough to deal with especially at that stage and a lot of people I feel like a lot of the people who are coming down on people on athletes for mental don't actually understand what it takes at that level because at that level that's your craft that's what's paying everything that's your focus on that like you said 24 7 Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that's what it takes you have to be mentally tough and it hurts a lot of times because that's all you know and you're not actually taking care of yourself mentally you're only taking care of yourself physically, but not mentally. Yeah, you're, you're taking and care of yourself in inside of your profession. Yes. Because that's like what people know, in truth be told, like care about you for, right? So that's like the main thing you try to keep up with. But yeah, keeping up with that, you know what I'm saying? If, you're, if your mental is not right, exactly. Now that's becoming a more common thing where athletes are able to speak on that more comfortably. Back then, back then, I feel like that was never, you know, like um, mental toughness or or whatever it may be. Like that wasn't so much a thing. Mental awareness, I should say. It wasn't, but I also feel different people took it different ways. But a lot of people who are criticizing have never, I in my opinion, I feel like have never actually participated in a sport haven't worked hard at a sport or you know they fell off and are just trying to make an excuse like a lot of times and we see this a lot like and at least these athletes take accountability they they talk about it it's not like they're making an excuse for no reason they're telling you what the problem is you just don't like the answer yeah right and sometimes you just got to like just the people who are criticizing just lay off like it's not exactly kind of just you gotta also understand that like these are still people and human beings sometimes we get with the profession and they have bad days like we do they have bad games or bad matches or bad races whatever it may be you know just like how we would have I guess a bad day at work or even if you're in high school or anything, you play basketball. Like you, you could have a bad game just like that. So I think you still, you gotta understand people's emotions and not always try to go for like you were kind of talking about the older media, like for the hit and for the ratings, and just understand that like when someone's down or something, you know, it might not be the appropriate time for a certain question. So, you know, that's it. common sense stuff, but we we kind of lack that as people. Right. So. Right now, I don't see what the next episode is going to entail. But if you had to pick one, if you had to pick past event or profile a person, a team, or anything like that, who would you want to do an untold for? Oh, okay. Untold? An untold. Um... I'm going to rattle off just a couple real quick because this is a good question. So, um, Mike Tyson. I always felt like Mike Tyson was the youngest world champion ever. And then mm-hmm. we all know how he kind of went AWOL. Now, there have been uh, documentaries about it, but I like the untold. I like how it's, it's unfiltered. You know, like I said, they have just about the closest people to the experience at that time. I like that. Next, uh... Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he went 50 and 0. I got to hear the ins and outs now. Um, you know, because although the record says that, we we understand that like life happens is what we're saying. So how through all of this, right? Through whatever was going on, did you maintain to just keep focus in 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 stay 50 and 0? And then last, I would say I would like to see a untold uh, potentially Dallas Mavericks when they won the when they won the championship. When they won a championship. I don't, you know, definite underdogs knocked off 
maybe the hardest like playoff run. I want to say ever. I don't want to do that because that's like recency bias. But I want to say one of the hardest playoff runs. Uh, Dirk did it. I don't want to say alone again, but not another All Star on that team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know to hear the ins and outs of that. We heard that Dirk had a little. He took a little offense when LeBron and D Wade were uh, mimicking mimicking him when he was sick. I don't know if you remember that, but. He was sick one of those games in the playoffs, and, and D-Wade and Brian were up in the series, and they had a good laugh about it. I don't know. I, I just think that would be good, man, just to understand what was going on with that team and that locker room. Yeah. I think – Yeah, what you got? What you got? I want it untold of – you remember the lockout? Yeah. Back in early, early 2010s, the NBA yeah. lockout? I would love to hear that. Right. That shortened the season. It did. Yep. And if there was no lockout, would that have changed everything? I would have loved to hear that perspective of what was going through that time. And we won't hear David Stern's, you know, side right. because he's not alive anymore. But I'd love to hear that. I would love to hear um I'd love to hear the story of Ray Lewis. Ooh, an untold of yeah. Ray Lewis. Yeah. I feel that would be really interesting to hear. Sure. You know, played at the University of Miami. You know, he was convicted killer. Yeah, won man. Super Bowl titles and now is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I just mean, a whole untold. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Just a whole untold of Ray Lewis. And then... um I'm trying to think. What would be an interesting, maybe, maybe an un. I would say an untold of Phil Jackson, but they kind of did that with the Last Dance. Yeah, yeah, he kind of had his history. Because I learned some things I didn't know about him. So I know. Yeah, I think they kind of had that. I think. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's there's so much out there yeah. that. A lot of people have already covered, but as far as an untold goes, yeah. it can, it it can be, even be a, a, a one they have, but untold kind of no, does it a little no. Different. I take that back. I take that okay. back. I t- if they did, if they did one recently, I want to know an untold of Bishop Sycamore. Oh, I would love an untold perfect. of Bishop Sycamore. In what how they do that? Yeah, the ends. Yes. How they do ESPN so hard. I felt so bad for that team, those guys. I mean, and... but they were, they were, I mean, yeah, how they assembled yeah. the team, how you were, how you got on TV, then how y'all were old and still bad. They how lost you to play a bunch of high games? school kids. Exactly. How do you play two, two games, games in three in days? A matter of three days. Who even does that? Like, how did it happen? Yeah. Like, I, wanna, I, wa- I need yeah. an untold on that. And yeah. there have been rumors that Kevin Hart has, you know, started to put money for a documentary on that but they did just need to do an untold on that there's so many people to interview i i i don't know have you ever seen the movie accepted it was like no, a really cheesy comedy central movie where this dude created a fake college to fool his parents because he didn't get into school and then um, and then apparently he created it and more people came and then it was it was found out later by, you know, the the board that, you know, from another college that they didn't exist. That's how I felt that. That's how it went. It's like when you try to fool your parents with a grade that you got an A instead of an F and eventually it backfires. Eventually. I I'm, I just. <laughs> yeah, man. I would love not to have a good look. And, and I, I hope we get it. I hope we do. I need, I need names. It wasn't a good look for ESPN. They were exactly. already going down, and that was even worse. That was the fact that ESPN, ESPN's, like, the crew, the announcers were like, we don't know his name. We don't have we don't a 54 on the roster. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how do you not have a roster? <laughs> Did you not do the research before that? Exactly, man. That's how crazy. And my thing is, like, I don't. I know we're not going to stay on this. But, yeah, the research, but, like, come on, bro. It's like you you play every Friday in high school. You play every You don't play. JV plays like the day before, like Thursday. Like you do not play twice a week 
in high school. No. So you would yeah, you wouldn't make it. it. You would not make it. Yeah, but I, it. I would love to see those, and I hope maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But I know there's a, definitely going to be a documentary about Bishop Sycamore here in the near future. But I'm by the end of the year there should be. By the end of the year, there should be. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have our special one-on-one Hooper profile with Lewis and Clark College men's basketball player Ryan Siebel. So stay tuned. Hello, Hoopjack fans, and welcome to another edition of the Hoopjack podcast series. For our one-on-one Hooper profile today, we have Lewis and Clark men's basketball player Ryan Siebel. Ryan, good, uh, yeah. to have you. good to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me today, Chris. I'm real excited to, to talk about myself and my journey to where I am now. So um, why don't you talk to us before, you know, before you made it to Lewis and Clark College, you played basketball at Alameda out in California. What was that kind of culture like playing at Alameda and uh, around that area? Yeah, so um, Alameda, it's a, it's a city right next to Oakland um, in the Bay Area. And um, high school basketball is really just my first kind of chance to get a real taste of um, competitive basketball. Um, I'd always played basketball growing up um, throughout like elementary and middle school. But once I got to high school, um, I kind of dropped the other sports and kind of stuck to basketball and took that seriously. Um, but then throughout high school, I had a lot of adversity, like uh, my freshman year, I, I was on the freshman team, but barely even getting playing time. Um, and then that was just like a humbling experience and just kind of had to make sure to keep my head down, keep working. Um, and then throughout my years, I just kind of progressed and um, just improved as a player, as a person. And um, through like my, my high school coach, Coach Cameron Quick, who's still there now. Um, we came into high school or he was the coach when I came in as the freshman, it was his first year. Um, we just built the program from there. And, um, by my senior year, I was like one of the top players, um, in the, in the area, um, as well as some of my teammates as well. And we actually made it all the way to the division two state championship. Um, and that kind of just shows kind of how we started with this, uh, small program in a city that nobody really knows. Um, and just through hard work, dedication, and kind of taking it day by day, um, just trying to improve every day, um, we built a program that uh, to this day still is much stronger than kind of like before I, I started. And um, it's always good that I'm like still involved with the program and kind of teaching the guys there now um, what I learned in the past. And I'm just kind of carrying over that knowledge. So it's good to hear that you and kind of you took the path not – to work hard on your craft and improve instead of kind of just, you know, be down in the dumps. And I think a lot of people can use that as, you know, motivation to work hard and improve the game. And cause it sounds like you love the game and it sounds like you work hard for the outcomes that you want. And I think a lot of people out there just need to kind of realize that and focus more on that instead of kind of just dwelling on things, you know, that are out of the control yeah Yeah, definitely um I really do think like most of the time you you get what you kind of earn um not even always what you deserve um and like my in my situation um obviously I wanted to like be on varsity from the start but I knew that I had to take it baby steps at a time um from like my freshman year all the way to my senior year um and that even carried over to college just having the mindset like it's a marathon, not a sprint, um, and kind of taking it day by day, really, and um, improving myself um, day by day, and knowing that I'm in it for the long haul, and um, results don't don't come overnight for for things that are as hard as like just being kind of um, a great basketball player. Right, and I feel like that's the type of energy and the type of output that you want to have as you want to grow the career. So. Throughout, you you talked about, you know, freshman year, heading towards senior year, you were becoming one of the top prospects in the area, as well as your team has been doing well with states. What was the decision in um, committing to Lewis and Clark College? Um, Yeah, so throughout, like, my high school career, I wasn't really, like, 
I knew I wanted to play, but I wasn't um, as well informed in like the, the AU circuits um, and kind of everything that you kind of need to put in nowadays to get recruited by the right people. Um, so really until my senior year, I didn't have um, really any colleges looking at me. Um, and then my senior year, just kind of playing like better players, better teams. I eventually got in contact with like a few junior colleges. And then after the season, I, I kind of played as an unsigned senior for um, the Bay Area Warriors AAU team. And that's mm -hmm. when um, Lewis and Clark coached him at Lewis and Clark. He just got the job there and he was looking for some unsigned seniors and recruits. Um, and then I went on my visit to Lewis and Clark and um, it's been great ever since. And yeah, so I really just didn't have a ton of options, but um, I'm really glad I ended up where I am and I really wouldn't change, change a thing about it. So that's good to hear that, you know, everything worked out as far as that goes. And you talked about, you know, being a part of the, you said the Bay City AAU Bears, the, that um, the AAU the, the school? Bay, yeah, the, the Bay Area Warriors. Um, oh, the Bay Area Warriors? Yeah. So um, what was it like playing in that? Sir? I know it was kind of later in your high school career playing for the kind of through the AAU circuit, but you want to kind of tell us a little bit about what it was like playing for that team? Yeah. So um, it's, it's ran by coach Randy uh, Beloso. Um, and it, he's just kind of a well-renowned coach in the Bay area with just a ton of connections to, to different colleges and um, places kind of across the country. Um, and that was just a really good opportunity to just go out there with, different players and just play um, top level competition um, that you really can't always find in the high school, high school ranks. Cause um, when you're playing like top level AAU, you're playing kids that are all the best players at their high schools um, compared to sometime in high school, like it's not as consistent, um, but that was just a real eye opening experience. And once I was successful in those games, it really kind of opened my eyes um, to see like, okay, I, I can compete at the highest level. I can compete. Um, at the college level and that's why or that's kind of what led me to really committing to just going all in and um, becoming a college basketball player and starting your career off at Lewis and College uh, what was the feeling through all the hard work that you had put through what was it like getting the feeling when you had your first career start against Williamette yeah um, so during my freshman year like I had inconsistent playing time um, to start, but um, we were kind of struggling as a team and Coach Tim wanted to switch things up and uh, me and him had always had a kind of good relationship throughout and he, he gave me the opportunity to start. Um, and in my mind, I was just thinking like, no matter what happens prior to the game, I'm just going to always stay ready. Um, whenever I do get my name called, I'm going to be ready. And once he did kind of call my number um, for the start that game, I was ready, and we actually ended up winning that that conference game against Willamette. Um, it was a, it was a big win for us, um, and I made sure like just prior to that, um, like even when I wasn't getting playing time and I wasn't and I was like frustrated with that, that I'd stay kind of in the gym, stay involved with the team, and really supportive of my teammates. Because um, in the end of the day, I don't want to be like a a selfish player, but. Um, but when I did get that call to start, like I kind of never looked back and um, I've just been elevating my game ever since. That's a good way to see. It. And you talked about, you know, the relationship that you have with your coach. Um, uh, what's it like playing for head coach Tim McCrory and kind of the bond that you two have and as well as kind of the way he brings the team together? Uh, yeah. So really ever since, um, Kind of, I guess during his first year at Lewis and Clark was also my freshman year. So we came into the school together um, and we kind of always had that like just relationship that we're real, real honest with each other. Um, it's still like a coach and player relationship that sometimes he is going to be hard on me. And um, if I am like not, not like focused or anything, he will call me out and, and all that. But at the same time, I know it's just because he does care about me and, just wants kind of the best best for me as a player and um, even after college like for myself and my teammates he's always asking us 
um, what kind of careers we wanted we want to pursue. Um, if there's anybody he can get us in contact with. Um, so really, his care for uh, myself and the, the the rest of my teammates goes beyond the court. Um, and I think that'll just lead to lead to like a lifetime bond between um, him, himself and um, all of his players. So um, I have nothing but great things to to say about Coach Tim Tim McCrory and um, as well as like on court thing on court. Um, he's like a kind of laid back coach, um, not a yeller, but he still has high expectations for all all of us. But then at the same time, he is very um, good at communicating and understanding like what kind of plays we want to do and incorporating that into either offense and defense as well. And I think that's good to hear that he he is tough on you guys, but it's also he he cares about you at the end of the day and just wants the best for you. And not just for the time being, but for after college as well. He's looking out for you guys. And I kind of – I really respect that as, you know, a person who really cares about his team and his players. I think that's really good to hear. Um, so, with the whole – with the pandemic going on, I know it's probably been tough as far as travel-wise, playing games with not a whole lot of fans, um, in my opinion, because I've seen it around the country and – personally um but what how has that affected the team as kind of not you mentally as well as the team just as a group morale like how have you guys been able to come together as one yeah so unfortunately we we weren't able to play um literally any games last year um so and we were like the only team in our conference that didn't even get a few games in um, but at the same time, like we kind of came that even brought us closer together as a team, um, realizing like a lot of these things are out of our control. Um, but what is it? What is our control in our control is kind of um, how we approach the off season. So we really came together and saw this like, OK, they're going to give us an extra year off to really uh, hone in on our craft. And really, once we come out of the pandemic and um, going into this next season. Um, we're just thinking like we're going to be totally transformed as players and as a team um, because they because they, nobody in our conference has seen us play in almost two years. So um, in our minds, we're just going to be a huge surprise to the to the conference and the teams we play and um, just going to be be better. And we really just kept our heads down and kept working and kept bonding over over the pandemic and just realized that um, it's a tough situation, but there's definitely people that have it worse than us and have it worse than what we're going through and we're still able to work out. So we're thankful for that. And um, we just kept our head down, heads down and kept working. That's good to hear from you guys and how you were able to kind of pull through together um, with the up, with the season coming up. And uh, as far as the pandemic goes, I, you guys will still have your season. I'm assuming unless something erratic happens, you guys will still have your season. What are some personal and team goals that you have and the team wants to accomplish this season from your perspective? Yeah, so we're we're really um, excited for the season and we just really can't wait because, I mean, most of us haven't played a single game in almost two years now. Um, so in terms of like team goals, I think – the end goal the end goal is always just a championship um and then kind of going to the national tournament um but i think with our team and my teammates we also always discuss like to get to that championship goal you need to have your micro goals um that all come together and build to that championship level team so that is just kind of having in like specific statistic goals like keeping teams under 40 percent shooting um like kind of lim limiting our turnovers, maybe shooting three, like 40% for the season. Um, so we really have those small goals and to build towards that, we're just like setting our, our daily, like in and out schedule and kind of approaching practice with the same championship mentality. Um, and we feel that if we can kind of accomplish those goals on a daily basis, that will turn us into a, a championship level team. Um, and then in terms of like my individual goals, um, I think I've always just kind of believed that like um, individual goals are good to have, but at the same time, I think it's just a product of what does happen on the courts. 
Um, Cause in my mind, I think if I'm putting in my head, like, Oh, if I don't get first team all, all conferences season, it'll be a bust that that might just kind of get to my mental um, and really kind of hinder potentially hinder my, my play on the court. So in my mind, I'm just thinking like, I'm, I'm going to work every day, kind of go out there, um, play the best of my abilities and, whatever awards come with that or accomplish, accomplishments come with that um, will just be a product of, of what is what I, what I kind of put out there on the court. Right. And like you said earlier, you, you don't want to focus on things that you can't control, but as long as you put in the work, the outcome will present itself and, you know, the hard work will pay off. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm thinking like, why would I be worried about like things that I don't even vote on? It's, it's for like conference player of the year. Like that's other people that vote on it. So why would I uh, worry about that kind of thing if that's even out of my control? So I'm going to really just focus on myself and uh, my teammates and coaches and um, just go from there. Right. And my last question, I always like to ask these from an athlete's perspective, because I know how hard you guys have worked. Um, But what advice can you give to a, a hooper at the high school level wanting to play at the college level and seeing kind of the potential that they would have, like what kind of advice would you give them? Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll say a few things. So like in terms of just getting um, recruited at the next level, um, cause I was like a huge worry in my high school. Um, it's all about kind of like, uh, I just think of the term um, that people say um, like success is when, um, opportunity meet, meets um, preparation. So at the same time, I'm thinking you have to always be prepared um, in terms of like being in the gym, um, improving your skills. Um, but at the same time, you have to kind of have that opportunity and exposure. So for any high school guys listening, I'd say um, really kind of either find a high school or find an AU team that has a history of sending players to the, to the next level. Um, and then get in contact with that coach and play for that coach and really let him know that like, this is my goal to play at the next level. Can you help me? So I think the more kind of exposure um, and people you can get in contact with that do send people to the next level, I think that's the best way to get recruited. But at the same time, you also have to be skilled enough and good enough to play at the next level. Um, And then, advice for like maybe high school players that are about to play at the next level or already committed. Um, I'd say like the college game is a whole kind of different pace um, than the, than the high school game. Or I mean, the college game is, is a lot different in terms of just mental preparation. Um, There's like more plays, more schemes that you kind of have to know and um, react to kind of on the fly um, than high school and it's kind of a little more basic so I'd say just really be ready to to learn and um, also think at the college level like basically everybody was their best player was the best player on their team in high school and then once you get to college um, it's going to be a lot different so um, just really be ready to to work be ready to to learn from like your seniors your coaches um, and I think the more like humble you are I think the, the faster you'll progress as a player and, and as a person, and that'll kind of lead to more playing time. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I'm glad to hear that, you know, the advice that you give can go a long way towards the next generation of, you know, high school ball players. But, and I want to thank you, Ryan, and hope that you have a great season coming up this season. I wish you and the rest of the Lewis and Clark College men's basketball team my, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck in the Northwest Conference. I hope you guys do well. You guys are strong and you guys come out on top. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today, Chris. It was, it was a great time to just talk and kind of share my story. And um, like you said, give some some advice because I think that's all about all, all it's about, just kind of passing down your knowledge to the next generation and at the same time, just kind of learning more each and every day. All right. And guys, make sure to go check him out and the team out this season. I expect I hope for big things from them. And we'll be right back with more Hoop Jack. So stay tuned.
Welcome back, guys. I hope everyone enjoyed the Hooper Profile with Ryan Siebel out of Lewis and Clark College. Best of wishes to them, and I hope they have a great season this season. So, we have arrived at our special segment, our Dano's Spicy Hot Take, partnered with Dano's Seasoning. It is zero calories, sugar-free, fat-free, it's vegan-friendly, it's all-you-can-do seasoning. It's Dano Mite. So, my Dano's Spicy Hot Take, Tampa Bay will not make it to the Super Bowl. Mm. Here's why. Okay. They they had a great they had a good win. You know, Tom Brady, another fourth quarter drive to right. win the game. It wasn't a touchdown, but it was a field goal. You let up 29 points against a very poor Dallas team where they really had to rely on the passing game. Ezekiel Elliott was non-existent. Yeah. And you know, Dak Prescott had Three touchdowns, three or four touchdowns. Mari Cooper with a touchdown of his own. C.D. Lamb with a touchdown of his own. And 29 points by the Cowboys. And they don't look like they aren't going to even win their division. And you still gave up 29. Yeah. I just feel uh, they're, they're still going to be good. They'll, they'll have a great season. But I think we're going to start seeing we're, – we're not going to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year. I just do not see it happening. Oh, okay, okay. So, let me see. I I don't know because I don't ever put too much stock into week one. I always feel like week one is, is a filling out process. Um, but, I mean, when you look over there, there are going to be some good teams in the NFC. But I do think Tampa Bay is the favorite to come back. They I are the favorite. We have... Uh, a great chance at a, at a, a repeat Super Bowl. That's what I really think is going to happen here. So, we'll just have to I'm see, all for it. You know, midway through the season, but kind of yeah. early on, I get it. It's week one. But I mean, with with no running game week one, I I didn't think the Cowboys were even going to get two touchdowns. Yeah. Well, you know, I like, especially me being down in the Dallas area, the Cowboys are my second team. Um, with me being from Kansas City, the Chiefs are my first team. Not too happy about the Super Bowl last year. But, um, I don't know. I think the Cowboys are a good team. I think they're finally back healthy. Dak is back. And I think, uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're, if you can, just bear with me, listen to me here, just take, like, a moral win from yesterday. You know, like, played your heart out, no run game, did everything you could. Uh, you left Tom Brady a minute and twenty four seconds, and I'm, you left him way. What too, you, you, exactly. you left him what way do you too much he was time. to do with that? You know, you so. left way too much time on the hand. Fans were already excited once they exactly, scored, but you forget man. it's Tom Brady. <laughs> it's Tom he's Brady, he's man. won multiple Super Bowls. He he's not a threat and to a challenge. Yeah, especially, I, yeah, man. You know, you can never just put that beside him. You gave him a minute twenty four. And uh, he does. He did what uh, Tom Brady does. So, right. No surprise. So that's my hot take. What's your hot take, Jalen? <sighs> my hot take. If I want to keep it on football, and I actually will even want to keep it along the lines of Tom Brady. He came out earlier, and if you know, there was a rule, a number rule change in the NFL, and mm-hmm. he said. All he said, for instance, the Cowboys had the advantage uh, because the rule change. A lot of what you do is by the number, right? Like when you play for a certain time, you just start saying the number instead of the position. My question is: Is he telling the truth, or is that just like, like I guess my hot take would be that Tom Brady's he's playing mind games. He's lying. Like I don't think the numbers have anything to do with. I don't know. I mean. Being a part of the game for that long, I mean, with his record, you know, he's had, there's been some problems. You know, we've had deflate gate and we've had yeah. corrupt gate. I mean, the Patriots, you know, where they got to where now. I'm not saying that they cheated. I'm just saying there's a lot to back it up. And just nobody really proved it substantially. Right, 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 right. It was okay, just a let, lot me, of, let me, 
Yeah. Let me do this real quick. My bad. Let me do this one more because I got a I got a better one. I seen this. Ray Allen. Let me know if it's true. Ray Allen stopped Tim Duncan from having one of the greatest resumes ever. And I say Ray Allen because he made the shot in uh, Game Five of the series. And Tim Duncan would have been six and zero in the finals, right? Just mm-hmm. like Michael Jordan, he would have had six rings, just like Michael Jordan, while being. I don't know what people... I know it's definitely top three power forwards ever, but I don't know where they place them. But if we, if, if Ray Allen misses, Tim Duncan then goes 6-0. He then has six championships, and he's top three power forwards ever. So I guess, is Tim Duncan better than people give him credit for? I thought he was always great. I'm not even going to consider that with too. a fact. Like, he was always... Even if he, even with the loss, you look at his resume. It, he was Mister Fundamental. Yeah, like he did definitely. It. He was perfect. But do like, you think he gets enough credit or attention? I don't. I don't really think people. Really I think. Like I, th- I think. I think. I look. I, th- I look at this. Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan retired in about the same time. Yep. People gave Bryant more credit yep. than Duncan, and I can see that. Because two different styles of play. Tim Duncan wasn't as vocal. He wasn't as loud. And not in a fairly... Mar- like, San Antonio is very marketable, but as far as... Only you when know, you're winning. Only when you're winning. Yeah. And Kobe Bryant, it, being in L.A., he was the Mamba, the GOAT mm-hmm. for the city. He brought life... Him and Shaq, him and Powell brought life to the city and he stayed loyal through injury through everything i just i do agree that tim duncan doesn't get enough credit and that he deserves but he's still one of the best to play the game definitely i just think his rap sheet with you know i'm just saying he was he's one finals loss away from i mean being perfect and having six i just feel like it doesn't it don't really get a you know, because they did retire at the same time, and Kobe gets, and maybe not, maybe. I mean, Kobe's my favorite player, so I want to say deservingly so. But Tim Duncan in career points, in career whatever, it's like right there with Kobe in every category, and they don't really get like the same respect. Is all I'm saying. No, and I think when you're looking at the popularity status between San Antonio, Texas, and Los Angeles, California, there is a pretty big difference yeah. as far how people are vocal towards you because I look at it too look who Tim Duncan had around him during his time and I mean Kobe it was him and Shaq him and Powell a lot of the other guys were you don't hear a whole whole lot like you heard of Tony Parker Mono Ginobili and Tim Duncan that's the big three like you call you pretty much have them as a group yeah, and Kobe Bryant, it was basically like MJ before, you know, even with Scotty there. I mean, but he couldn't do it by himself. But MJ was the star of the Bulls. Yeah, Kobe was sure. the star of the Lakers. For sure. But I think even if it was just Tim Duncan, I don't feel like they would have the rings that you would think they would have. Without the quarter that Pop had, yeah, they needed and to that. go with they needed Parker and you needed Ginobili around him and later on Kawhi to kind of help and it lifted Kawhi's you know resume up with the title in what was it two thousand and fourteen? Uh, I think they I won because it was. Because Dallas won, beat Miami. My, mm-hmm. Miami wins two in a row, and then it's San Antonio. Basically, mm-hmm. yep. I think basically the only teams to basically the teams to mainly beat LeBron during that time in Miami was the state of Texas. He only yep. he lost to the state of Texas, except for Houston. Houston never made beat, never made it yeah, that far. Just Dallas and San Antonio. Like, but I think I give you I I will give you that. I think Tim Duncan does not get a lot of recognition just because of, I think, his style. But as far as the player resume, he's up there with the best. 
With the best, no, man. With, without a doubt. Yeah. And I think he deserves more credit than what he got through his playing career. Uh, but that's been our Dano spicy hot take, guys. We have reached the final portion of our show where we like to do our little mindful moment where if there's a quote or there's, you know, something been going on in your life that you want to talk about that's kind of just been on your mind, it's kind of more mental. We want to take care of our mental health in the process of that. And uh, my mindful moment, I actually derive a quote from the great George Feeney from the show Boy Meets World. Love that show. It's a great show. Um, If you let people's perception of you dictate your behavior you will never grow as a person but if you leave yourself open to experience despite what others think then you will learn and grow and a lot of that is based on if you let other people decide your behavior and you they decide how you need to be and what you need to be especially if you know what you want you're not going to grow into what you you want to be. You're going to grow into what they want you to be. It's kind of like working in the corporate world, in my opinion. Um, they kind of dictate how you need to be and how you need to act versus what do you want in life. And this platform, this platform, this show gives me that opportunity to do what I want. It allows me to talk basketball and uh, promote the college athletes who with the with the new NIL it gives them it to, I listen to their story I hear the hard work that they've gone through to get where they are and they wouldn't get there without that hard work and I'm grateful that they trust me with having their story be heard and for the next generation of athletes to understand that hard work pays off and it leads to greater and better things for sure so, J- and Jalen, what's your mindful moment that you my mindful, like? yo, my mindful moment, man, would just be that um, do not see a road block or a road bump as a reason to give up, right? Because anything worth doing, uh, you're gonna have to go through the struggle for. It. If you watch the finals. Monty Williams, his favorite thing he was saying was everything we want is on the other side of hard. So when you're going for something that's worth it, man, you're going to have many road bumps, right? But a road bump or a speed bump is just it's just saying slow down, right? It's just saying slow down, uh, maybe map this certain move out a little more. It doesn't mean when you see a speed bump that you stop your car, you you put it in reverse and you just leave. It just means you go over it a little slowly. And then once you get over that speed bump, you just keep going. So there's gonna be there's gonna be speed bumps, there's gonna be roadblocks. You just gotta find a way to get around them because half the battle is consistency. And just keep going, man. So that's my mindful moment. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh Thanks, guys, for making sure you're turning, tuning into the show. I want to thank Jalen from For the Love of the Game podcast. And Jalen, do you have any shout-outs you want to get out to the public? Ah, uh, man, let's just say uh, shout-out shout out my family. You know, shout-out the basketball world. Shout-out football season starting. All the Hoop Jack listeners, you know what I'm saying? Y'all are amazing. That's about it. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And make sure, guys, to go check him out uh, on YouTube. It's for the love of the game. Make sure, mm-hmm. if and as well as the acronyms, it's F T. No, yeah, F T L O T G T G. I had to like really think about that one. For no, a second. no, trust me, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> I had to think about that. And um, you're actually getting ready to. Go into the podcast world. Is that right? Yes, we will be in the podcast world. I think launch is probably going to be next Sunday. Uh, we might also start to dabble in the Twitch world. I'll definitely keep y'all updated, but definitely in the podcast world first. And uh, hopefully we can grow together. All right, man. And make sure to, as well, uh, make sure to go check out the podcast on our Instagram page with our link tree at underscore hoopjack underscore i am actually and we will be starting uh twitch debates this upcoming 
either we will start it tomorrow evening or next Saturday. They will always be on a weekly basis on Saturday. I will be on Twitch talking about the basketball world, going over what we've gone through, and kind of just promoting our show all over the Twitch world. So make sure to check that out. We will have giveaways and merch for the future, working on that as well. The process is unbelievable. I can't even, like, it's just, the process is unreal. Trying to get the shirts and make the merch and see who wants it out there. But make sure to donate to to the channel. I'm really grateful you guys are still listening to the show, keeping it alive. Make sure to tune in as well for Monday's episode. We have a ball player out of Santa Clara University, Eli Berry, coming on the show. So stay tuned for that. I can't do this without you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, don't be a bystander. Be a hooper and keep balling. Peace.